I had been talking to other people meanwhile trying to go out and interview and they'd all said number one if you want to get work in photography move to New York and I heard that over and over again yeah if you want to be a photographer move to New York move to New York that was constantly what everybody said to me and uh, and I didn't want to go to New York I'm in San Francisco that was photographer Doug Salen I'm Jeff and this is storied San Francisco In this podcast, we meet and get to know Doug. We first met him when we recorded with former SF Poet Laureate Kim Shuck, Doug's partner. Born and raised in Marin, Doug went to school in the South Bay and moved to the city shortly after college. Toward the end of part one, he starts to trace his family roots, both from Europe and several generations in San Francisco. Here's Doug. So, because I used to sing um, in choirs, and I would sing everything from baritone and bass to tenor. Oh. So my voice has a natural range that's... that's You're the everything I, 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 guy. In many ways, I, I have very few interests on my own, but I just sort of stumble into things and I go, I'm ultimately a very curious person. Oh, that's a good quality. So and I, you said earlier you're a problem solver. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't come in with any preconception. I, I walk into a space and I go, oh, that seems interesting. <laughs> I'm bored. <laughs> I'm easily bored. And so I'm always looking for things that, are, that, are, that will focus my energy right. for, for a limited period of time. I also don't, you know, because I get bored, I don't want to do things that last a long time. Right. I don't want projects. That, I don't want to work for more than a day on something. Okay. So I don't want to work in an office. I don't want to be doing a six-month project. I want something that's three hours, four hours, and I'm done with it. Yeah. So so it, it's that instant gratification. But how do you find something you can monetize that's on that that shorter level that's not project based? Money. Um, so so everything I do, everything I do is super fast, and like cooking, I don't. I don't like to cook for things that take more than an hour, Mm -hmm. you know, but I like to make really nice food, but it has to be fast. Yeah. So everything. You ever make paella? It's a long time to make paella. It's about an hour. Yeah. I would say it's really fun to make. I make a spaghetti sauce in an hour. I make a shrimp etouffee in an hour. Oh yeah. I make a chocolate mousse cake in an hour. All right. So, but it's, that's when, that's when I get, I'm bored after that. Right. You know, so it's it's it, it all has to sort of fit within that time before my brain just says I've had enough of this. Got it. If you got to work that hard, it's not worth doing it. Hmm. Interesting. So I, mean, I can I, I can see it's not how I operate, but it's in, but I can respect I, it. Yeah, because I have not such, everyone I have such OCD and ADHD that's never been diagnosed, but I um, don't enjoy reading because it's sitting with something for a very long yeah i'll get about six pages in and and then my brain starts flashing around and i can't i can't even hold on to what i'm reading right you know i now have to go back and start reading a page again again right you do the thing where you're scanning and it's going in but not sinking it's not sinking and i've learned to just get up and do something else it's just not worth it at that point right but if i'm totally engaged yeah i could go for quite a while but as soon as that engagement stops which for me is quite quickly right it's like it's time to move on to something else okay so so that being said i like 
the excitement of where things can go in an hour or a couple hours mm-hmm. or, you know how they can transform how they can transform and then things that are always on the edge of being a disaster in three or four hours you know so uh, my former spouse would design these elaborate meals and start cooking them and they would go terribly south and she'd just turn them <laughs> over to me and say can you make this work and i go yeah because yeah. it's it's a mess you right. know? and it's like okay i can i can see where the timing is i can see how to make this come out so that all the dishes are done on right uh, at the right time mm-hmm. so everything it just becomes clear to me how to make it work mm-hmm. so as a photographer for 30 years i could walk into a space that was raw and go okay I think I can see what it's going to look like after four hour, five hours of prep. I know what that picture is going to look like, mm-hmm. and I can do it. Five or four or five hours later, it's done, and I can go home. Well, yeah, you know, that's, so that's a good quality to have as a photographer. It's really good. Um, we're back where we where we've recorded before. Um, this might be the first time we've done that where it's not a bar or a restaurant or a cafe or something. But um, and who the heck am who the heck are we listening to? That's a good question, you know, on many different people, right? many different histories. We'll spend the next hour unpacking that, but what name did they give you? Oh, that's complicated. Um, I've always gone as Doug, okay? Uh, my kids used to holler Dad, mm-hmm. and often I never listened. But if they said Doug, I would often stop and, and pay attention to them. Okay. And that's from a very young age. Right. So um, I work a lot with high school kids right now. Mm-hmm. And I've always been Doug with uh, with the various schools I worked with. Mm-hmm. With the school I'm working with now, I'm, I'm actually known as Mr. Salen. Okay. And I kind of like that. Okay. And I, and, I, and I have found that a high school level, level um, I get more respect from the kids if I'm Mr. Salem. Is it the first time in your life that you've embraced Mr. Yes, Salem? It is the okay. absolute first time in my life I've ever been referred to as Mr. Salem. Okay. Because that always seems so old, like I was like my parents or something. I remember being young and being like, Mr. I, what? I no. Never, never wanted to grow up. I'm a very large kid. Okay. And being Mr. Salem is just really old. You're a very large kid who operates heavy machinery, if I may. <laughs> That is true. And again, that goes back to the danger aspect is that you have to have all your faculties with you. Right. You know, and I've never been someone who drinks. Uh, I've never been someone who smokes anything in my entire life. You know, this is just not, I've always been very lucid in terms of what I do. Okay. So even though I can, I can operate machinery and it's dangerous, I feel somewhat confident that I can get through it. Yeah. But it's still... It still scares you. You yeah. still you still have to know what you're doing, and you still have to know what can go terribly wrong. You showed me that rougher and told me what it does, and I immediately pictured, you know, body parts getting roughed. Things that things can happen, not, yeah. you know. And and I you know I recently cut myself pretty pretty badly, and mm. you know I probably probably needed several stitches, but mm. I had a golf date the following day, so I you chose. Can't be bothered. I chose to. Uh, put some pressure on it and I thought that I could still swing a golf club that it wouldn't uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> I seem to have avoided the tendons and the, the juicy mean, bits I'm guessing you didn't play with a handicap that day you just yeah, exactly. went right into just it just band-aids yeah. that's yeah. all yeah, yeah. and uh, afterwards I decided well I'd take a look at it and then I talked I called up Kaiser afterwards right and their response was well if you haven't come in in 24 hours then you probably are, you know it's you passed we, we that can't point. we can't do stitches on you after 24 right. hours so so if you 
besides working with high school students, what are you doing nowadays? Um, well, the high school students is taking up a lot of time uh, mm-hmm. doing high school. I'm, I'm working as a mentor in uh, high school robotics programs here in San Francisco. Okay. In so, various high schools or? Over the last six years, I've worked with uh, five different high schools. Okay. And currently I'm working with uh, George Washington High School. Oh, yeah. And Over they have, kind a, of they have my a neighbor. very, very nice robotics program, a nice culture run by a couple of very dedicated teachers who are doing a fabulous job. And a whole host of kids who seem eager to uh, get in and uh, work, and uh, that's that's the key is that their their kids are coming in on their own to work hard every day, or at least when the you know when the robotics is running, mm-hmm. and they do amazing things. How long have you been doing robotics? Um, you well, I mean, I uh, I've always been a photographer right. since I was about four, and. Um, in college, I thought, well, I'm going to be a, I'm going to become not a photographer. I was clearly a photographer before I went to college, and I had been taking pictures for many, many years, and I had tons of experience. And I thought, well, I should get an education, so perhaps I should study physics. Okay. So I went into college uh, as a physics major, and and after a year of doing that, I realized I didn't have the probably the the chops you know to really make that happen i mean you you get a sense of where your skill set is and your limitations and your limitations and i go i don't see myself as a physicist it seems a little the problems they're proposing don't excite me at all i gotta sit in a lab for days and prove this or you have prove to sit that. longer than an hour that's you know that's and, the and with my attention span that's <laughs> yeah. not going to work and so right. so then i said well maybe i'll try mechanical engineering so okay. then i did a, a year of mechanical engineering which at the time in college i was doing work study and uh i'd gone through the uh the machine shop course mm-hmm. is one of the courses you had to take and and they also needed an assistant and i was able to use that as my work study oh. so for the remainder of my college years I worked as the TA in the machine shop. Interesting. So that got me very interested in that. But I also, after two years of engineering, I realized I don't want to sit behind a desk and do calculations. Right. So this is not going to work either. So by that time, the folks in my college had discovered that I could take pictures. And the, the folks who ran the school newspaper kept coming and knocking on my door and saying, we need a photo. And we know you can take pictures. Can you go over and take a picture for us? And okay. I thought, well, okay. And I, you know, I, I was accepted by this entire large social group of people that desperately needed my skill set. <laughs> right. So it's like that felt good. Mm-hmm. Um, I became the photo editor of the college newspaper. Uh, I became the editor of the college yearbook. Okay. Uh, I did all these things that were publications related, uh, and figured that I would probably get a job working for a newspaper when I graduated. Right. You know, because that's where my skill set was. And I had a degree in art from a school that doesn't give out really art degrees. <laughs> so consequently, it's like this is kind of a useless degree. But I've spent two years as a photo editor, a year as a yearbook editor, dealing with, you know, the ins and outs of school administration and getting projects done. Uh, let's, you know, see what that, where that takes me with a newspaper or whatever. And then someone said, you know... Um, up in San Francisco, uh, I have a friend who's a photographer. You should go talk to him and, and see what you know what's what's in San Francisco. What kind of what kind of jobs there are? And I'm like, well, okay, I don't want to stay in San Jose where I was. Mm-hmm. 
I came up to San Francisco. I met with a, a photographer. His name was Paul Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Really nice, wonderful man. And he said, you know, um, I, uh, I have a friend who works at Macy's who uh, may be taking a vacation for a few weeks and may need, they may need somebody um, to help out at Macy's. They may be needing a, someone to work in their photography. An in-house studio. photographer. Okay. And I went down and presented myself and downtown downtown Macy's and I didn't know anything about commercial photography at the time Mm -hmm. I really knew zero Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean I had been exposed to it a little bit but I'd never taken a class in commercial photography I didn't Mm -hmm. even know didn't know what it was yeah but I also knew that I'd done a lot of work over the last you know 10-15 years so I knew I knew a lot about photography but I didn't Mm -hmm. know the specifics I went down my long hair, my beard, my backpack, you know, I walked into Macy's and yes. and I could tell that I was like, whoa, well, this is kind of a serious place. That, I hope you went through the perfume counter area. Uh, well, the look. perfume's on the first floor. That's that's a whole nother story because I used to photograph <laughs> perfumes for years. Okay. Um, and uh, which was really a lot of fun. Uh, but I, I, so I met with this guy and I could tell that he wasn't really that interested in me. I said, you know, I really like to work here and all, but I could tell that what I was presenting was not the best thing. So I went home, I rethought it over. I cut my hair, I put on a suit and I, and I said, I need to come back in and talk with you again. So I literally went in two weeks later wearing a suit, you know, smiling and you know i mean this is a studio where they don't dress and they don't you know everyone's wearing t-shirt and jeans but right, I, right. but i just thought i'd, I'd go <laughs> go 360 on him or 180 <laughs> and just kind of go okay here look at me right and uh for whatever reason you know two days later he calls me up and says you know i got this project i'm down a person can you work in a dark room you know and mm. i go yeah sure i can work in a dark room. no longer at macy's at macy's oh at macy's, at macy's. Dark, room like, at macy's. dark room at macy's wow. and uh i had been talking to other people meanwhile trying to go out and interview and they'd all said number one if you want to get work in photography move to new york mm. and i heard that over and over again no matter what type of photography we're yeah if you want to be a okay. photographer move to new york okay move to new york that was constantly what everybody said to me right and uh and i didn't want to go to New York. I'm in San Francisco. Uh, lovely town. So I went in. The guy gave me a job for for four months in a dark room, which they, they handed me all this large format stuff, which I knew nothing about, which is four by five inches up to eight by ten inches, and said, can you process this? And I go, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah. They said, well, there's the chemicals. It's there's more chemical the tank, engineering than you know? mechanical. And right? I'm like, my job is I can figure stuff out pretty quickly. Right. Problem solving. You know, if not, you ask someone, you know, you, you, right. you learn how to ask questions. So I'm working there for the three week, two weeks where, while someone's on vacation, actually it was, and I wasn't the four month, it was a two week job and it wasn't the four, four month job, but, but two weeks I'm doing uh, processing and some woman from another department walks in and she's lamenting the fact that she's going on vacation and she hasn't found anyone to take her place. It's that she's going to be needing a fill-in. I said, well, "What kind of work is that?" And she's like, "Well, we do, you know, we do the layouts or we do the paste-ups for for the ads that Macy oh. was doing." Mm-hmm. And I go, "Well, I can do paste-up, yeah. you know, because I'd done it as a yearbook editor in college." Right. It's like I can do that. And she's like, "Really?" I go, "Yeah." So, so she she hired me for three weeks to do <laughs> to do paste-up while she was on on vacation. 
again. You're just patching it all together. And so here, right? I, here I am. Yeah, I mean, I, I barely moved to San Francisco, and now I've been working at Macy's. And the gentleman who was the assistant manager of the photo studio came back and said, you know, we've got a position for four months that'll get you through to December. Do you want it? I said, well, you know, they actually pay me better over here doing doing pay stuff. <laughs> right. And he said, well, let me see what I can do. So he comes back and I get I get like a, a raise. I've only been there a couple in the weeks. dark room. In the dark room, I get a raise to go back and work in the dark room for for a couple of weeks. Okay. And, and here I'm at Macy's, and it's like the staff in the photo department is close to thirty people. It's a huge oh, operation. Wow. Okay. So advertising was about a hundred people, and the photo end of it was about thirty people just to do the ads you'd get in the newspaper every day mm. from Macy's. Everything from the Herb Kane ad to you know the catalogs that you'd get in the mail. Uh, they hadn't launched the uh, weekly sort of thing you'd get in your newspaper every week. That okay. ha- that hadn't happened yet. The pull-out ads? The pull-out thing. Yeah. It used to be originally called Macy's California many, many years okay. ago. It was a whole it was a whole big thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm there for four months, and uh, then the next thing I know, I'm there for, you know, like a year. And, and just about after I'd been there a year, like, they were doing a remodel. And... Uh, I had built several darkrooms in college and in high school and on my personal ones that I'd done a lot of uh, the logistics of, of doing that. Mm-hmm. And the, the gentleman who was running it had worked with the architects at Macy's and they were going to do this specific remodel. And we were going to be torn down for several weeks. And uh, I went and looked at the plans and I said, you know, they don't make a lot of sense to me. So I, so I drew up an alternate plan. And I went in and presented it to the manager. And I said, you know, if you did this rather than that, you'd save tons of time, tons of money, and we'd be more efficient in the end. Right. And lo and behold, they, you know, they were close to doing it. Uh, the new construction, he he decided to do what I suggested. Wow. You know, that I'd saved him enough. Because they needed someone who really understood what was going on in photography. Right. And I was able to come in and give them the answer and that they needed. So I think that that speaks to your sort of different like you're 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 not um maybe a master but you're you you're pretty good in a lot of different things i i look at the situation i try to come up with i think is the best solution at at that given time and a lot of times they aren't but sometimes they are but also it's what you bring to like a, the a, no, lot, of, the, a lot of experience the experience from, and the from knowledge a, from yeah. doing things and so within uh, you know literally a couple of weeks after that happened he he offered me the position as being the assistant manager of the studio full time so i had barely been there a year yeah. and i'm now the assistant manager of with 30 employees you know and yeah. I, i'd gone from being a union employee to now i'm a management employee right and I'm like, what this? And the, so, the, so now all of a sudden, like your friends are maybe not quite your friends anymore. Oh. You know, it's a little bit of different, yeah. different vibe because you've sort of crossed the line. But did they call you Mister Salen? Or? No, I was yeah. just Doug, yeah, okay, or, or something. You weren't some, at that level, or yet. something yeah, worse. Yeah. Something worse. <laughs> you know, I've depending had, on who we're talking. I've to. had several names over the years, <laughs> and uh, that. So I, I, I still hadn't learned how to take a picture, though. I was still, you know, a darkroom. Commercial, commercial, commercial picture. I still hadn't learned yeah, yeah. how to be a commercial photographer. Okay, uh, I had a lot of experience with theatrical photography and sports photography, things that I could have taken to you know, and just journalism yeah. on the street photography, but not commercial work. Okay, and the difference, the difference, the way to view commercial work is, you start with a blank slate in a dark room, 
and everything that is in the picture you have to create in a commercial setting. Right. A fine artist or an art photographer or photojournalist is primarily photographing what they come Already across. There. Come across. Right. A commercial work, you start from zero, start from scratch, mm. you create the entire image. Interesting. And I was around some very skilled, uh, amazing people who, who taught me about light and taught me how to compose and how, how to put it together from scratch. And so over the next four years, I learned from these guys that I was sort of managed, quote, managing, although they, you know, they told me what to do a lot of the times. <laughs> and so consequently, I'm learning about the craft while I'm, while I'm managing it. Mm-hmm. Um, a little faster forward um, that um, they finally decided to take the whole operation and, and turn it in and make it uh, freelance. Okay. Because at that time, you know, it was union and they're like, okay, let's get rid of the union here. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's turn it into a freelance operation. Then we don't have to worry about all kinds of other issues. Um, and, uh, like, like what workers care about. <laughs> well, there was, there was a basic, there was a basic flaw in, in our, in our structure. And that was, you had strong union, uh, employees who'd been there for many, many years. And you had a management structure that would come over and say, you know, I, I'd, I'd really like to photograph this, this way, you know, cause you're the art director and the photographer would basically tell you to go take a hike this is <laughs> right. this is what i feel like doing and that's what i'm going to do for you mm-hmm. there wasn't enough there wasn't say enough power in the in the management to make the photographer sort of shoot it the way you wanted to right which does exist in business when you're working for a client generally you you the photographer doesn't usually stand up to the client and say no we're going to do it the way i want to do it right so, although as a professional photographer, that is what I did. Okay. So I, I adopted that <laughs> philosophy of the photographer is always right and not the client. Um, can we take a step back real fast? We can go back. I'm loving this story. It's part of, I feel like, you know, part of it that's sort of salient for us is the decision to come back to San Francisco. I think when we met, you told me about your family. Um, let's go back to your family and where you were born and what the what the world was like in your little corner back then well um i grew up in marin i grew up in san rafael um my parents had a house in san rafael uh my mother was born in san francisco so she's a native San Franciscan, sort of. Sort of. I say that word "native" loosely, right? Um, I know Bo- she was born there. She we was can just born in yeah, San we can extrapolate that. Her yeah. her father was born in San Francisco. Okay. And was your mother Jewish? Am I totally my mother making that up? My mother's family uh, was Jewish and on the Reform side of Jewish. Okay. Um, her. Her mother was born in the Central Valley and was Jewish. Okay. Uh, they were, I want to say, sheep ranchers and businessmen mm-hmm. um, in the Central Valley uh, in uh, uh, Williams, California. Okay. And uh, they would come into the city. Uh, the city was a very important social place uh, mm-hmm. in their lives. Uh, my grandfather... Uh, I think he actually he be, yeah he, he may have been born in San Francisco and grew up in Tacoma, and his family was also merchants, um, and they had they had 
ties to San Francisco and and Tacoma and they Tacoma were, Washington Tacoma Washington okay and they they came in in around the 1880s let's say okay they, most of them emigrated from Poland in the 18, okay. 1870s 1880s and is this still your mom's side or is this now your this is still my mom's side okay um, what was so their family name their family name was Gross okay uh, also um, um, Levy and uh, Levin. Mm-hmm. And uh, also Friedman. Friedman was another last name there. But they they were very well settled in San Francisco. Um, they lived. Uh, she grew up on uh, um, Jordan Street. Okay, uh, this is your mom now. My mother grew yeah. up on Jordan Street in San Francisco. Okay, and, you know, attended Temple and did you know was a reasonably good girl. Uh, <laughs> although she, she did cause trouble from time to time. And she actually uh, went to uh, Washington High School. Oh, okay. Turns out in, uh, in I think she graduated in uh, maybe 1940. Oh, wow. Okay. So she may have been like the first graduating class that went through the whole the whole school right. at, at, at Wash. Wow. So it was kind of, kind of interesting. Yeah, totally. Considering I, I'm now working, you know, doing there, robotics the robot- there, yeah, which is amazing. kind of full circle. 80 some years later. And she met my dad, I'm assuming, uh, in North Beach. Why do you say you're assuming? Uh, I don't know 100%. I can't remember. Story. I can't remember. She's never, I can't remember her telling me the story of how they met. That's okay, but you you, you said North Beach, so let's just go with that. North Beach is like where it all, it all happened. Yeah. So my, my father's family starts in, in, in Austria originally, and they've been in Germany for a long, long time. My, the last name Salen is a Jewish last name. Um, although my father always thought it was something else. And um, he he wasn't sure what it was. His um, he, he just had always believed that his, his grandfather, uh, his great-grandfather had changed the last name. Okay, somewhere back up the line. Back up the line in, in, in where it was sketchy as to his... his his uh, his grand his great grandfather's uh, origins, and it it turns out it's because his great grandfather had an illegitimate sister mm-hmm. that he didn't want anyone to know about back in Germany, so that he kind of kept his private history. His history was very private to him, and 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 it turns out that he did change his name, but he changed his first name. Mm. So he he went by he went by Bernard, and his mm. birth name was Baruch. Uh-huh. So he had changed his name, but Salen was the last name. Mm-hmm. And my father had found all these records in Austria uh, and uh, later on in life. Uh, and so his, my father's aunt was an early member of, let's call it, she was a, a female physician in sort of pre-World War II Germany. Okay. And a very strong Zionist. Okay. And she managed to get herself arrested for her political whatever uh, in the early days of the Nazis and was sent to a camp. Okay. Um, and um, at a time when you could still sort of work your way out of a camp. Mm. So she, Before uh, being, mass the, being the physician mm-hmm. that she was, she managed to do enough things to uh, be released. Oh, wow. And she was basically said, uh, don't do it again. Yeah. And so she went out and did it again. Oh. And uh, got herself arrested a second time uh, so the story goes, and was actually, um, she was given the option of, uh, 
I don't know what one of the options was, but the option she took was to remove her entire family from Germany. That okay. was apparently an option for okay. a while. To leave. To leave. So the entire family This was, is your father's This aunt. is my father's family. Okay. And they were located in Frankfurt, and the entire family basically was booted. So his grandfather, his father, his aunt, you know, uh, his sister, they were all, uh, they all left Germany, went to Switzerland. That was Doug Salen. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, Doug shares more of his life with us. Part 2 drops Thursday wherever you listen to podcasts. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 190 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, please rate and review our show so we can reach even more folks. We love email. Drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. is a proud member of the BFF.fm podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.